keep standing in the presence of the Lord. It was very surprising uh, to see how God ministers to us in our own way for us to know that God is in control, not us. Most of the time we think that we are in control. But God says, listen, you have no control of anything. You can't even control the steps that is ahead of you. You even can't control what is in your mouth. Unless you give it to me, I will take control of you. Amen. And this morning, uh, I was, like our brother was asking the question, how many of us thought of this service three days ago? I was thinking about the service, only thinking about it. And then he asked the question, how many of you thought of it two days ago? And I was only thinking of the service. And how many of you thought of it one day ago? And I was only thinking of the service. But God ministered to me very wonderfully this morning at 10 o'clock. I wanted to pray for the people who are leading the service. And God ministered to me at that time. And I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart that you gave me the grace to sit on my knees to think of the service today because you have ministered to me you have ministered to me and I said Lord do something new today and I don't know why this song kept coming up in my mind do something new and if you notice as the coordinator was talking he was talking about doing something new God wants to do something new always Amen we like the whole things we, we are happy we're doing the old things. But God says, listen, I want to do something new in your life. Amen. That's God's desire. I want to do something new in your life. And we should say, God, give me grace to accept that. If God is to do something new, you have to put away the old. You can't have new wine and old wine together. Am I right? So we let us sing this song and let us make it as a prayer and say, Lord, do something new in my life today. Can I have that song? Yes, my brother, we'll start that. Do something new in my it as a prayer I still sing it. Something new in my life. Something new in my life. Oh Lord, do Thank you. 
Father, we want your spirit, not flesh. We want your spirit to do something new in this church, Lord God. And Father, we want it to extend into Oman. Let us pray for Oman now. Lord, do something new in Oman. Let me be a part of it. Let me be a part of it. Father, visit Oman. Visit Oman one more time. I want to be a part of it. My family wants to be a part of it. This church wants to be a part of it. Lord, we want to be a part of it in this land. We want Oman for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, do something new. Do something new, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Many times when something happens, we clap for that person or for that situation. But let us clap in advance what he's going to do. Let us clap. He's going to do something new in your life. You are not here by accident. There's no accident in God's kingdom. Let us pray that God will do mighty things and we are going to be a part of it. Thank you for us. Be seated in the presence of the Lord. Isn't God good? Two percent. Isn't God good? Seventy-five percent. Isn't God good? Amen. If Sultan Kabus stood and asked that question, we will stand on our seat and say all the time. There's somebody greater than this man. His holy presence is here. Do you believe that? God is in the house. Amen. I'd like to share a small story. As a kid, I like stories. And I know for sure you must be liking stories also. I want to share the story because it touched me when I read this story. It touched me a lot. Once there was, in a school, a teacher walked into the classroom. And as she walked into the classroom, she said, Children, I love you very much. But deep in her heart, it was not 100% true. The love for everybody was not there. It was only a certain percentage of love. And many of us, sorry to say that, we stand here at this pulpit and we say, I love you. But truly, truly, it might be 99.9999%. But maybe there is some hurt somewhere. Same way this teacher, when she said, class, I love you, she couldn't love one small child. There was one child in that class she could not love. This young boy's name was Ted. Ted was a very weak student for her eyes. When she looked at Ted, she said, Ted is useless. And Ted was in the fifth or sixth grade, I'm not sure about that. And everything that Ted did, the teacher was not happy and the teacher wrote, Ted has not progressed at all this year. Nothing good has ever happened for Ted this year. And she wrote his progress report card. And she took all the progress report cards and she went to the principal and she says, I'm giving you the report card of all the students. And the principal said, she turned around and she looked and she came across Ted's report card. And she says, wow, you have written that Ted has shown no progress. Ted is dead in class. There's no life at all. And she told the teacher, Mrs. Thomason, I would like you to do one thing. I would like you to go back and check Ted's previous reports. 
go and check Ted's previous report. And Mrs. Thomason said, what is it? She said, I would like you to check on it. She went and she checked the previous report and she found two classes behind where Ted is now presently. She found Ted's mom is very sick and it's showing upon Ted's life because his mom is having cancer and Ted is not able to take it. And Ted is number one in class the previous year. The first year she seen Ted was the first person in the class, the best student, outstanding student, everything good. Ted was number one in class. The second year she said, Ted's mom is sick and Ted has now decreased. The third class she read the report and said, Ted lost his mom and now he's lost totally. He's not taking part in the class. And she looked back, what happened? The child who was number one in class, just because sickness came into that child, mother's, child's mother's life, the child dropped down. And then she knows, mother's gone in the next class, the child is completely lost. And Miss Thomason felt very sad for Ted as she read this report card. And she came back to the class the next day and she said, children, I love you. And again she was lying. Because the love had turned upside down. She was having 99% love for the entire class except for Ted. But now she was having 99% love for Ted and 1% for the rest of the class. And she said, I love you. And she started throwing and pouring out love on this little boy, Ted. Everything was for Ted. And suddenly she found there was a small change in Ted's life. He started increasing in his studies. His behavior changed. And the year came to an end. It was time to say goodbye. And you know, most of students, they like to give small gifts to their teachers before they go. And that year, all the students brought gifts. But the teacher was not interested in all the gifts. She was interested to see one gift. And there was one gift, a small piece of newspaper. And in that newspaper was a half-used perfume bottle and a bracelet in it with missing stones. And she opened it and the entire class laughed at it. They laughed at the gift. And she knew from the bottom of the, her heart from who this gift was. And she read it and she says, to my dear teacher, this was the last which I have of my mother. The last perfume that she used, but it's only half full. This is the last bracelet that I have of mom, which are with missing stones. But I think when you use that perfume, I know I can see my mama in you. Mrs. Thomason shed few tears. She took the perfume bottle and she took the bracelet. Ted left the class and every year without fail, Ted, Ted came back to his teacher and says, Mrs. Thomason, you are the best thing that has ever happened in my life after my mama. Years passed. Mrs. Thomason continued to teach. Ted went on his way. And he became somebody great. And one day, there was a big gap between Ted and Mrs. Thomason. She got a mail and she looked into the mail. There was a, a, an envelope, an invitation, and there was a to and fro ticket. And in that invitation it says, Theodore Williams, marriage. And Theodore was getting married now. And he said, I would like you to come for my wedding. Because you have a great part in my life. Mrs. Thomason got ready, knowing that she was a very old lady. She walked into the church, and as she walked into the church, you know sometimes when you're old, people don't care about you. 
you're always thrown in the last seat. The more fancy clothes you have, you're given the first seat. And if you have royal clothes, you're put on top of the altar. We do that. We do that. We all do that. If tomorrow a minister walks in, where we will put him? We'll put him at the altar. You sit on here. Nearer my God to thee. Mrs. Thomason sat at the last row. And suddenly one of the ushers came and said, Mrs. Thomason, there's a special seat booked for you. And she said for me, and she got shocked. How will they know who I am? And he held this very old lady and brought her to the front. And when she came to the first row, in the front of the first row was written, Mother. And Mrs. Thomason walked in and she looked at him and she said, Wow, who is this seat for? She said, this is booked for the groom's mother. And she said, is she alive? I know she's, she's dead. No, it's for you, ma'am. And then Ted gave a speech at that time. He says, in everyone's life, God sends some person, somebody, we do not know where, but in my life, God sent Mrs. Thomason. I'm here today as Dr. Theodore Williams is because of one lady who went the extra mile to show the mother's love. And Mrs. Thomason was crying at that time, knowing that what she sowed in the small thing that God called her to do has now made a total, total, total impact on someone's life. And he says, if it wasn't for my mother, I won't be standing here. And he introduced Mrs. Thomason to his bride and says, this is my mama. God has brought us all into this world that we could impact somebody. We may not know who we will impact. You may not know. There is a Ted in your office. Have you seen that person there? There's a Ted for every teacher who is here. You have a Ted. There's a Ted in your family. Among your children, there's a Ted. It's not easy to love Ted when everything is bad. Am I right? It's not easy to love somebody when everything is wrong. It's easy to love a person when everything is good about the person, when they study well, when they do their own work, when they do everything that you want them to do. Oh, God bless your heart. You're so happy. And you will tell a thousand people. But when your Ted in the house is not doing what you want them to do, you pray to God, oh, I wish this Ted didn't even exist. But Mrs. Thomason took the extra step to go for one Ted in her life. I want to challenge you today. If you find a Ted, can you invest in that Ted's life? Do something new in my life we sang this morning. What is it that you want God to do in your life? We come to church time over again. We sing songs and we are so happy. I'm sorry, I've not gone even to the message yet. We sing so much of songs. We do all the rituals. Who are we kidding? Who are you trying to kid? We try to even cheat God. It's true. We, deep inside, we are cheating God. We think we are cheating God. By all our re religious activities, 
we have neglected the tents around us. And that's the reason God brings somebody into your life where you have nothing to do with that person because you're so engrossed with yourself, your family, your children, your work, your ministry, that this Ted who is there has nothing to do with you. If Miss Thomason had not taken the extra mile, Ted would have been a thief in some, in some small village. Ted would have become a drug addict. Ted would have become a loser. But God is a merciful God. Amen? He's a merciful God. Don't judge people with, with circumstances that are around them. Look deep inside or behind what God can restore to their lives. That's what we need to see. We need to come out of that shell of Christine. I'm a Christian. Get out of that shell. And see what God has called you for. We need to clean our temple. We need to clean. There are too many old things in our temple. Old rituals. God says, listen, clean house. Clean house. I need to bring in new things. And God wants to bring fresh anointings so that you know there will be another Mrs. Thomason in, in our lives. Amen? Amen? Let us turn our Bibles to 2 Chronicles. Brother Rajiv, you got the mic? 2 Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 1 to 5. 2 Chronicles. How are you there, brother? Okay, 2 Chronicles, verses 29, 1 to 5. Quickly, my brother. Please. Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old. And he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought them he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together in the east tree and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Amen. Everyone who wants to do some type of ministerial work within the body of Christ I challenge you, I urge you, I beg you, go home and read Chronicle, 2 Chronicles 29. And ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, open the scripture for me. Open the scripture for me. So that I could understand the meaning of 2 Chronicles 29. In order for, God to, in order for God's work to be done properly, we need special grace. Amen? Old mana is only for yesterday. And God has proved it in the Bible. We, we like to dwell upon old things. We are satisfied with old things. We are new every morning. But we do not like refreshing. Because refreshing and cleaning takes away the old things. But God says, listen, if you want to do my work, you need to sit in my presence daily. 
Because daily I will tell you what to do. I will not do the same thing. I will do everything differently. Not the same way. I will do things different because I like to surprise people. The important question is, how will we prepare ourselves for this great task? There's a great task. And each of you are called for that great task. Each of us. And we are all doing what God has called us to do in His way. The problem with us is we want to do it our way. And that's the place you stumble. That's the place your ministry falls. That's the place you make everyone fall who come behind you because you want it your way and not God's way. You have to have Yahweh's way and not your way. Amen? When we read this chapter, we come to understand our disobedience in the presence of God causes lots of problems, not only for ourselves, but for our family and for generations to come. Every act of yours. One disobedience of yours can, can, can affect generations to come after you. And you may not realize that. The question today is, is the Lord pleased with us? I want to ask you, ask yourselves today, is God pleased with me? Take a second and ask that question to yourself. And what is the answer are you getting today? Is God pleased? Please ask yourself that question. Is God pleased with me today where I am? Not yesterday. Yesterday you could have moved mountains. Yesterday you could have walked through the, de- the, the sea. You could have flung mountains from space. Not yesterday, today. The children of Israel seen the mighty works of God. It was yesterday and they forgot about him today. When they were supposed to take the promised land, they forgot everything. They forgot what their God has done for them. And many of us have got great ministries lined up for us. But we have to be careful. You need God today. Is God wanting you, are you in the place that God wants you to be? Are you not, are you in a different place? That's the next question. Number one, is God pleased with you? Number two, the place where you are now, is that where God wants you to be? Ask yourself. That's a question you need to ask yourself today. And just don't, just don't think of it that this morning and forget about it when you go to this door. Throughout this entire day, I want you to ask yourself this question. Go on your knees and say, Lord, is this the place that you want me to be? Because if you are not in the place that God wants you to be doing, you will be doing what God doesn't want you to do and what the enemy has in store for you to do. The enemy has a lot in store for each and every one of us. Do you know that? All you need to do is to step out of line in God's calling. And when you step out of that line of what God has in store for you, you are in the territory of your adversary. And he will rip you apart. He will destroy you. He will destroy your family. He will destroy your children. And then you will find there is no place to run. You end up in the bar. There is no other place to go. You start doing things which are wrong. Because number one, you have got out of line of what God has got in store for you. Ask yourself that question today. Am I where I am supposed to be according to what God has got in store for me? And if you get the answer, yes, then you can say, Lord, 
have your way. Now, you know where you are. You know your life. The, the next question, are you doing what he has called you to do? Being in the right place at the right time is not sufficient. But doing the right thing in the right place at the right time is God's timing. Amen? That's where we fail. Because we want to do what we want to do in God's way. That does not happen. You need to do God's way. God's timing. God's place. And when you do that, mighty anointing flows. Because you are now working under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Not you. And what you do sometimes will be foolishness for the world. Will be foolishness to everyone around you. But in the sight of God, you are walking under the divine anointing. And nobody can take you away from that anointing. Amen? Number one, we see for what we read this morning is, reopen to restore divine worship. Verse 3, 29. It says, open the doors of the house of the Lord and repair them. Look at verse 3. Open the doors and repair them. The temple doors were shut and worship and prayer was not performed anymore. I want to ask you this question. How many of us have shut the temple doors of our heart of worship? You know, we like worshipping in the house of God. We like to do everything that is nice. But what about our personal life? What about our personal life? Is worship shut? Is prayer shut? Is fellowship shut? Many of us think prayer and worship is enough. No, fellowship is important. If you cannot love your brethren, how are you going to love me? And then we say, Lord, I love you. I lift your name on high. He says, liar. What are you trying? Who are you trying to cheat? You're only lifting your own name high. We say that. My brothers and sisters, we must understand one important factor in spiritual matters. The moment we close the door to God, automatically we open the doors for the enemy. The moment you close the door for God, you're opening another door. And when that person comes in, he makes your life a mess. Remember when Jesus said, when a demon leaves a person, it goes around and then it comes back. We have to be careful of that time. God has cleansed our doors, our inside. We have to be careful what we keep in, within us. Verse 7 says, 7a part, it says, they have shut up the doors of the porch. Why were the temple doors shut? The question is, look at verse 6, brother. Can you see verse 6? For our fathers mm. have been unfaithful. Our fathers have been unfaithful. Look at that. Many of us blame our fathers for unfaithfulness. Yes, it is true. But where is your faithfulness? We like to blame everything about someone else. But where is your faithfulness? Quickly go to 2 Chronicles 28 verses 22 to 24, brother. 2 Chronicles 28 verses 22 to 24. In the time of his distress, mm. Mm. he became yet more faithless to the Lord. You see, in the time of his distress, Aza, when he was going through trouble, he became unfaithful. Have you noticed many times when bad things happen to us, what's the first thing 
Can I ask you a question? What's the first thing that goes out of the window when bad things happen? Your prayer life. You say, I don't have time to pray now. Because you're so busy, you're so busy running to the doctors. You fail to sit at his feet and say, let me sit at his feet and then go to the doctors. You run to the doctors and then sit at his feet. Have you seen that? Azar was angry with God. And when he became angry with God, what did he do? For King Ahaz sacrificed to the gods of Damascus. Aha, there were other gods. You see, the moment we, we shut the door to our living God, we open the doors to our gods. Have you seen that? That's what Azar did. When, whenever we close our fellowship, our worship, our Bible reading, our prayer, immediately we open different doors. And other gods are automatically worshipped in our lives. We do not know it. So what is the God that you are worshipping other than the God Jehovah? You ask yourselves that question. Now, I will never know that answer. But the Holy Spirit knows that. We have all erected temples. We have all erected temples in our lives. Temples that is an abomination to Jehovah. Church, I want to challenge you today. You want to see a revival in Oman. You want to see a revival in this church. Consecrate yourself first. And say, Lord, I come back to you. Because I want to see revival. I want to see revival in my lifetime. Not when I'm going to die when one leg is in the grave. I hear that revival taking place in Oman. No, 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 no. We need to see revival in our lifetime. Amen? So that we could tell our children when we sit down, we can tell our children when we lie down, we can tell, tell, tell our children when we are at the table, this is what God has done. And our children can tell it to generations to come. Why should we hear it from our great-grandchildren when we can be a part of it now? The question is, we need to clean our house first. There needs to be house cleaning now. There needs to be house cleaning now. Stop playing church. Stop playing Christianity. Stop playing it. Because we become an abomination. An abomination in the sight of God because we are playing church. We are praying Christianity. Praise the Lord, my brother. How are you? I love you. Tomorrow morning I will not know what's his name. I won't know. I won't know if he has children. I don't know where he works. How many of us? I have been, I have been screaming this from this pulpit. When we go out of, this, out of this hall, have we met five people and spoken to them and known what they are, what they do? It has been screamed time over again from this pulpit. We are playing Christianity. We are not living Christianity. And if you want to live Christianity, you want to see the power of God flow in this church, get out of this church, meet five people, talk to them, hear about them, take their names down, go on your knees and say, Lord, do something new in their lives. And then you'll see the power of God. And you don't have to do anything else. He will do the rest because you are doing what is in line with His word. Don't tell somebody I love you and you have never called that person for a week. Don't do that. The first century Christians had everything in common and they loved one another as they loved them. So let us ask God today, 
Father, clean my house. Clean my house. There are a lot of rotten things inside. Take them away. How long has it been that you have locked your heart from God? How long? We are all sitting down here, including me. We are all sitting down here. But our hearts are locked up. And God has no room in that place. Our jobs have room. Our family has room. Our children's future have room. Your future has room. And everything of nonsense has room. And what is important has no room at all. I don't know why for the last few months I spoke into ng for c on this topic. Have you thought for a second if you are dead this morning at uh, this afternoon at 3 o'clock? What will you take with you? How many of you are going to take your house? We can come and pack your house for you. How many of you are going to take your fancy cars? We can come and we can pack that also for the funeral. How many of you are going to take your lands and go? I have a surprise for you. Nothing. Hello. Nothing. But there is something more valuable than your house. More valuable than your land. More valuable than your children. Who you die and you suffer for them. Anytime you call, why are you not my children? Why are you not for prayer meeting? My children. Why are you not coming for intercession? My children. You blame everything on those poor children. And they know that you are doing nonsense there in the house. <laughs> it's true. If, you have, if I am to sit with your children and ask what mama and papa are doing, they are watching TV, Ankit. <laughs> but they said not to tell anything. Soon as you ring the doorbell, TV is put off. Everything's put off. Chairs are put in line. Everything. Holy the word. Please come in, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shall we have worship together now? Hypocrites. Not you. Me. If I say hypocrite, then you will not come to church. I am. My brothers and sisters, I want to hurt you. I want to. I've not even started. I've only finished ten lines of what I prepared. I've not even started. Let us start something new today. In our lives. Amen? Amen. I want you to cast out the filth. You see that passage? They cleanse the filth out. You need to clean house. I want you to sit down and think, what is it that is stopping you to become what God wants you to become? Only you know it. There is something that is stopping you to become, to achieve, to attain, to receive, to be restored. But what is it that you have inside house that you're not giving room for God to move in your life? You need to clean house. You need to clean house. My brothers and sisters, and after you clean, you need to restore. You need to restore. Verse 7 talks about restoration. Verse 5 talks about cleaning. You need to clean. I, want, I will not tell you what you have unclean. That's not my business. That's the, the business of the Holy Spirit. But that can only be the business of the Holy Spirit if you allow the Holy Spirit. If you don't allow Him, He can't prompt you and t- tell you. Don't live self-righteous lives and think that you are holier than God. 
We do that unknowingly. It's not that we unknowingly we do that. We need to ask, Lord, what is it that is stopping me from receiving what you have got in store for me? My brothers and sisters, if you look at verse 7b, part it says, They put out the lamps and have not burnt incense, not offered burnt offering in the holy place unto the God of Israel. They had all put out their lamps. Lamp, incense and burnt offering represent prayer, reading of words and praise. All this is something gone out of our lives. We have no, nothing of it. We do it when we come to church. Verse 11 talks about to be to commit ourselves. I want to close before that. I'm closing very fast. You need to devote yourself. You need to devote your family. You need to dedicate your family. You need to dedicate your job. You need to dedicate your, your personal life back to God. You need. And you need to dedicate your talents and say, God, take back what I have. I request the choir to come up, please. You need to do that. If you don't do that, then you will come back next week doing the same thing. Next month doing the same thing. Going out and being happy. Meeting your friends and all of you are happy and we can all play music and we can dance. And last, we may not find the gates of heaven because we are playing church very beautifully. We love to play church. Let us stop playing. And let us start praying. Amen? We'll sing the song, You are Alpha and Omega. And as we sing the song, I want you to make it as a prayer unto God. Let God be your Alpha. Let God be your Omega. And let nothing come between that Alpha and Omega. Amen? Shall we rise on our feet, please?
while every heart is closed, we have heard a message that challenges that what do you want to do for God this year? Do you want it to be business as usual or you want to do something new for him? So what shall it profit a man if you gain this whole world? You have the degree. You have the money. You have the houses. You drive the best car. But you lose your soul. Oh, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing. But this morning God is saying, Seek ye forth the kingdom of God in 2014. Seek his righteousness. Seek what matters most that has eternal value. And not what are temporal value. Seek ye forth, bread of life this year, your God. Seek him forth in every area of your life. And they say, if you can do that, every other thing shall be added. You are here this morning, you are not born again. The first seeking you need to do is to commit your life unto him. We'd like to help you to do that this morning. You know you are not born again, you are here. Or you are assuming you are born again, you are not sure. You are not sure if Christ comes now, you will make it to heaven. You have been patching life. Okay, they said we should come to church, I come too. You are not sure you are born again. I want to pray with you this morning. If you are in that category, please raise up your hand unto Jesus. You know you are not born again. The only way you can start this year gloriously, and you will end gloriously, the only guarantee is if you are in Jesus. You are not born again. I want you to raise your hand unto Jesus. I want to pray with you to help you so that you, you get yourself on the track to end this year gloriously. Is anybody there? You are not born again. You still live your life the way you want it. You still live it by chance. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. There are many more. There are many more people. You want to surrender your your life unto Jesus. If you have given your life, then continue to recommit it unto God. Not looking at the other ones that are doing it. Recommit your life back to Him. That God this year, I will use my life to serve you. But you are yet to be born again. Please raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to commit you unto the hand of your God. So that you go through this year gloriously. And of course the rest of your life gloriously. You know you are born again before. But you, you are no longer on that path. Your ways with God as a comma. You are backslidden. I want you to raise your hand also. I want to pray with you. Father, thank you for this, your children. They have decided to start this year with you. What a wonderful step to take. Lord, I pray as you accept this one in your kingdom, you will write their name in the book of life. You will have mercy on them. 
in the name of Jesus. And as they have decided to seek you forth, to seek your righteousness, let every other thing be added unto them abundantly in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For your children that have come back unto you, Lord, I pray the grace not to look back again. The grace not to go back to their vomit. Give unto them in the name of Jesus. The grace to live victoriously over temptation, over sin this year. And to live a life totally sold to you. Give unto every one of us this year in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Before we say the grace, the newcomers, please, we'd love to see all the newcomers. If you join this church in the last one year, from January 2013, please, we want to see you at Bethel 5 p.m. today. It's a session of interaction. We want to know more about you so that we'll be able to fellowship the more together and better. So please, if you don't know better, you can come to this church, just come to the front of this church by 4.45. There'll be someone here between 4.45 and 5 o'clock to take you down to Bethel. So please, if you don't know Bethel, just come to the church. We'll make arrangements for you to get to Bethel. Bethel is very, very near to this place, just across the road when you are at the gas station, this gas station. The Lord bless you as you go this week in Jesus' name. I say the Lord bless you as you go this week in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and ask God for what you want Him to do for you this week. What is your expectation from Him this week? You want Him to encounter, you want to encounter the power of God at your place of work in whatever you lay your hands on? Take up your petition before Him. You ask something you want to achieve this week. Say, Lord, I go into this project with you. I go into my office with you this week. I shall come back next week with testimony. You ask something you are trusting God for. Say, Lord, let this week be that week. In the name of Jesus. Turn my situation around for good this week. In the name of Jesus. I shall come back to testify next week. To the glory of your name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I commit your children to your hand. As they go, let your presence go with them. In the name of Jesus. The peace of God. That passeth all understanding. Shall be your portion this week. In the name of Jesus. Every path you follow this week. Shall be perfectly aligned with the will. And purpose of God. For your life in the name of Jesus. The Lord will fight for you this week. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Holy Spirit. Somebody is going to receive a good news that will turn your life around for good this week in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. The grace together in fellowship with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Abundant grace. And that shall be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Amen.